Canada Hoops is proud to be part of the Basketball Podcast Network. Find Canada Hoops and other great basketball podcasts at thebasketballpodcastnetwork.com. The Basketball Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. And now, Canada Hoops, hosted by Maddie Ireland. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back with another episode of Canada Hoops. Thank you for your continued support. Please continue to download and share us. Tell a friend to tell a friend. And speaking of friends, I am pleased to welcome back to Canada Hoops the CEO and president of Canada Basketball, the boss, and our friend, Mr. Michael Bartlett. Mike, thank you so much for coming back to join us on Canada Hoops. Uh, absolute pleasure. Thanks, Matty. Love what you're doing for the, uh, for the brand and for the sport. Thanks. Appreciate that. Uh, I just want to acknowledge something before we get going for our listeners. And that is to personally thank you and your staff at Canada Basketball for your support of the podcast and through you and the help of Matt Walker, who I've gotten to know. So shout out, Matt. Uh, we've been fortunate enough to have some accreditation through FIBA and attend the the qualifiers in Edmonton and Victoria. Uh, that's been tremendous for us. Uh, to grow the podcast and connect and network. So we are truly grateful for that support. Uh, Mike is kind enough to join us to help us reflect back on the past year for Canada basketball from the program's perspective. We'll probably also look ahead to next year and perhaps even beyond into 2024 with the Olympics on the horizon. Mike, I think our listeners would probably want us to start with the senior men's national team and the qualification for the FIBA World Cup coming up this summer. Um, everyone's very excited. I can't imagine how you, uh, how excited you all are at the, the program for that. Um, you know, the sacrifice and the commitment that the guys have made is truly exciting. Um, just give us your, your thoughts, man, and your reflections. Yeah, well, when you, you know, thanks, Maddie, again, for having us. And, you know, it's our pleasure to make sure that uh, Canada Hoops Pod cast listeners you know have as much access as possible i i do firmly believe that more basketball also means more storytelling too and and you know fans are a big part of that and uh, it's not just through um you know traditional major networks that those stories need to be told we need the fan perspective and your perspective is a big part of that so thank you um thank you know ultimately let's rewind to uh, coming out of victoria um Sadaransky's bank shot yeah. Um, you know, and, and let's move forward from there. So in less than 18 months after that crushing blow, we've managed to reshape a program narrative um, to align with a program ambition that we've always had, but I think we're even more ambitious than ever. You know, you look at some very, I'll call it defining decisions, defining moments even in, in our recent evolution sitting down with the players in Vegas and summer league in, in late 2021 uh, and having a real conversation about what commitment looks like, what consistency would need to look like creating these winter and summer cores so that 
there's a bit of a plug and play benefit. Um, you know, you can drop a, a player in from one to the other, depending on who's available and when we're playing. And they know their role, they know the, the sets, they know their expectations. And, um, you know, ultimately we've, we've punched our ticket. We're 10 and 0 in a World Cup qualifying for the first time ever. Uh, we're first in the world in offense for the first time ever through these qualifying windows. Um, you know, we feel unstoppable right now. I'm not going to lie. Um, now we know it, it gets harder. We know, you know, the, uh, the next stage is the big stage and it doesn't mean anything until we prove it there, but really proud of what the team, uh, has done, uh, as, as athletes, uh, really proud of, of what the coaching staff and Rowan and the leadership staff, uh, have done with their vision for this and sticking to it. It would have been very easy at certain points to make exceptions to the rules. They haven't. Um, and I'll, I'll fast forward to a story like, here's the coolest part about it. We punch our ticket with a, a dominant win over Venezuela. I know there's a Venezuela backstory that we'll probably get to at some point as well. Sure. And I'm happy to. Um, you know, we punch our ticket and the Winter Corps guys who have been just, just amazing for us and, and you know, leaving their European clubs. Um, now, the cool, the cool part about it, they leave their European club and then they get to come back to Canada and actually play in front of home fans and, and family. And we had a ton of family out in Edmonton. They got to see their, their young men and, and husbands and boys and play for the country and punch the ticket for us. And I, I went to the lunchroom the next day at the hotel. Um, and there's nine guys from the Winter Corps debating what our World Cup roster is going to be. Like they're on a whiteboard, right? They're 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 picking like of our summer core. They're picking starting lineup. They're picking next, you know, six man. They're they're like they're building rotations, and none of their names are on the table. And they they're all right with that. They're not bringing their own names forward. Um, we have created a team environment um, that has existed, quite frankly, in in the women's program for for quite some time. That. There's a broad 24, 25, 26 athletes that feel like this is their team. When called upon, they will play. When not called upon, um, they will make sure that when they did play, we've got the next step ahead of us um, because of their efforts. And you know, I'm really proud of what we've accomplished as a result of some of this really sticking to the plan. Yeah, uh, well said. I know uh, I recorded with Khalif Young earlier today. Uh, lucky enough to have him join us and we'll drop that tomorrow. But, um, he touched on a lot of those points, Mike, just how, you know, it didn't matter, uh, when you got called and if you got called, it was committing and sacrificing. Uh, he touched on that group in Edmonton in particular, they knew what was at stake. Mm -hmm. Uh, that first game against Venezuela, I was there. It felt like they took a lot of pride and, uh, joy in the fact that they were going to be the group to officially go 10 and 0 and qualify right and um you know guys like phil and tommy scrub and, and cassius playing all 10 windows all 10 every games every single I mean, game for us every single game yeah right and uh you know i think everyone involved should be extremely proud and and the fan base is extremely excited um there's lots to to be done like you said but you know way to a great job having everybody have that buy-in and say, yeah, 
24 yeah. to 26 people that are, you know, this is their program regardless. And that's a cool story about the whiteboard. I just think that speaks to, it doesn't matter who's there, but um, yeah, you know, this is the best situation, right? Yeah, and, and you know, listen, there's 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 still a few and there should be, you know, we haven't proven anything on the global stage yet. You know, the naysayers will say, Well, not all the summer guys played, you know, in the summer window. But you know, we stuck to our guns. The rule was and listen, this is these are NBA athletes, there are other considerations. Uh, there's injuries, that was a big part of it. But Lou, RJ, um, you know, Jamal, all there in July. Um, you know, Lou and RJ there in August and Victoria as well. Everyone's like, well, well, where's Jamal? Well, you know what? Jamal got an opportunity to go play for and, and represent NBA at NBA without borders, uh, in Australia. We're not going to tell a young man who's a leader for our program, um, that he can't do that because he's got to be with us. He's a leader in the NBA too. So, you know, there are exceptions. Yes. Um, but they're part of the bigger plan um, and and they're they're part of the team culture and everybody understands that certain things like that an injury or a you know once in a career opportunity to represent the NBA around the world like we're trying to make these athletes global names as well so we're not going to hold them back from those opportunities so I'm, I'm really proud of the um, the way that our athletes are developing in the NBA. Uh, it's been a heck of a season that, that way to watch and, and enjoy. Let's <laughs> like, I haven't even met, I can't believe I'm 10 minutes into this and I haven't mentioned Shay's name yet. Like, wow. I know. Um, yeah. He's wow. And you know, we're just getting started. We're just getting started as a country. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, can we really quickly, I don't want to sort of beat a dead horse, but can we just talk about the, the Venezuela visa oh, yeah. issue? Um, and I'll just, a little bit of a background to everybody. So when I was in Edmonton, uh, the morning of the game, quick little uh, chance to get in and shoot around. You're the first person I see. And I'll let everybody know Mike was working extremely hard all week when uh, this issue was coming up. And uh, he didn't look like he had a lot of sleep. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you kind of let me in on what was going on at that point in time and the information you had. So now that the dust has settled, what, uh, what, like, has there been any ramifications on our end? Just kind of give us some info that you can. You know, ultimately we wanted as much as anyone to play that game and punch our ticket on home soil. And, um, when was that game? That game was on a Thursday. (laughs) Right. Um, I got a call. We got a call on, uh, Monday night saying that there was, there was a real issue with the visa process. Um, you know, just based on some late deliveries by the Venezuelan team of, of their passports. And listen, this stuff happens. Like we're running into some complications, just even going to Argentina and Venezuela because we've got players all over the world. So getting their passports for this visa process is difficult. And so I, like, I, I have empathy for it. Um, but it's not easy to get, a visa in 24 48 hours um and when you know you got a game coming up on friday or thursday so anyway we we got a call from from fiba and it's a bit of stroke a lot like just because you work for the federation it's not like you've got a bat phone to an embassy somewhere in the world that that can turn that stuff around but 
you know, we over the years have, have paid special attention to, to making sure that uh, we nurture great government relationships so that we can help out and, you know, help ourselves at times. So, you know, we, we did have a bit of a bat phone to someone who had the right call to make after that. And, you know, thankfully we were able to, to influence and, and help the Venezuelan team get their visas in time to make a flight towards Canada. It wasn't the flight that they wanted. Um, and it had two stops along the way. Um, but ultimately they got to Edmonton in time to play. Um, we got an opportunity to host an important home game, um, you know, for our chance to win. Uh, the Venezuelan Federation has been quite grateful and thankful because, you know, with FIBA rules, if they forfeit that game, um, they're effectively out of World Cup contention at that point. And we didn't want to see that happen because they're a talented team. Uh, they're a team from our Americas region that certainly we want to finish higher than. And, and we've had some bad beats against them over the years. But nobody yeah. nobody wants to win by forfeit. So we did everything we could and, and we're glad that they got there. It wasn't easy for them. Um, but we did what we could to support it. Yeah, great answer and great insight. Uh, moving on to the World Cup, Canada was announced as the host, mm-hmm. sort of preferred team for the Indonesia region. Uh, you as a federation, like, did you know that was coming, that that was a real possibility? Yeah, we got we got tipped off um, a few weeks, few weeks before it was announced. I will be honest, we didn't really know that there was a bit of a, there's like a schoolyard pick. Um, I guess that was part of the bidding process when Philippines, Indonesia, and Japan joined forces. Um, When Philippines stepped up to be both a round-robin host and a medal, and the medal round host, they were pretty much afforded, like, pick your team. And of course, they picked USAB. Um, Indonesia had the second pick because they don't have a team in the tournament. They picked us. Um, I'm, I'm thrilled by it for a few reasons. One, yeah, we're in the mix now. We're in the schoolyard pick. That's you know that says something about our program. It right. says also something about FIBA's confidence. And listen, this is you know why we had some insight that it was coming. FIBA flat out asked me, "Are you bringing 12 NBA players?" And I said, "Yes." And they're like, "Good," because we've promised that they're coming, and Indonesia really wants to have you swing by. I'm like, "Okay, good to know." Um, so ultimately, being you know a second pick says something to the rest of the world about the attention that we, and the attention and quite frankly performance that we could put on in a global stage. Um, I will routinely say I think we're the second best team in the world on paper. We're fifteenth ranked um, by FIBA calculus, but we're the second best team ranked on paper, and in any given day we could be the first. So then the other reason I'm really excited about it, Maddie, is. Indonesia doesn't have a team in the tournament. So we just became their home team. And we're already like, we're already cooking up ideas with the local Indonesian um, organizing committee about how there's a welcome to Indonesia. Welcome, you know, how, how we get adopted by that country as their home chance. And so we're, we're going to, we're going to try and show a bit earlier. We're going to try and have some fun with them, uh, give them lots of reasons to cheer. And when we, you know, intend to go on to the Philippines, that they'll be cheering us, um, you know, on that trip as well as we head into the medal round. Yeah, I think it's cool. And I think it highlights what, you you know, you touched on it, what FIBA must feel about Canada basketball and that, you know, you, you know, you are now viewed as a premier federation, you know, from top to bottom, all the way from, 
your role and then obviously to the rosters. And I think it benefits FIBA big time to have mm-hmm. Canada basketball showcased in this way, to have uh, you all as a, a solid partner in this. I think that uh, FIBA understands what's at stake uh, here in terms of having Canada basketball put in the best position. Uh, I think that I saw a little bit of that, I think, where FIBA was really after highlighting you guys at the the games in Victoria and uh, Edmonton. Now, look, yeah, Canada basketball was on home soil, um, but FIBA was showing a lot of love for the program. So I just, I think it's cool. Um, has the, like on Rose side, have they expressed any concern about being placed in FIBA, or sorry, in Indonesia with like pot placement and who might potentially draw in there i mean yeah so like i i look at it like okay pot placement there's a lot of people with that discussion on on social media and stuff but if we get a great roster there it doesn't like give us whoever anybody else has like i don't care you know like this is we're here to put in work right yeah we've there's a there's a board in the office where we've dissected the uh you know (laughs) the the scenarios ultimately you know, we know there'll be no other Americas team in our region. So anybody ahead of us in the Americas region, they'll, they'll be, they won't be in our pool because it's not allowed. Right. Um, you know, so that would eliminate, obviously, well, USA is going to play in the Philippines, but it would eliminate um, Argentina as an option. Um, we have to finish higher than Argentina. That's like, right. to, to qualify for the Olympics, we got to finish higher than them in the tournament. So at some point we gotta outperform them somehow, um, whether it's you know whether we meet or not. But you know when you look at it, we're probably gonna have two of the top twelve in our pool. Um, maybe two of the top fifteen, us being the second one, right? Like depending on how the the ball bounces a little bit. So we're gonna have to go through likely like a Spain or an Australia or you know. Right. Gosh, you, you name it. Like, there's going to be a tough team or two in our pool. But I had uh, this was a great quote by Coach Nurse. Like, so everybody talks that we might end up in the pool of death, and guess what? They're talking about them being in the pool of death. Like, right. ultimately, if we can show with the roster that like healthy uh, roster that that we're anticipating. Um it's going to be everybody else's problem. Um, we're going to be Agreed. everybody else's problem. That's, I firmly believe that. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in free bets instantly. And for a limited time, All new and existing customers can get a no-sweat, same-game parlay every day. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt-in, and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game. And if it doesn't hit, you'll get a free bet back. Why don't you check out Scotty Barnes over assists and Precious Achua over rebounds. I like those stats. Download the app now and sign up with code TBPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code TBPN.
No, well said. I think that as well. And I think uh, just maybe one last touch on the World Cup and the senior men's team. Um, you know, is Rowan talking to you periodically when he's touching base with guys about, like, we have the core in mind, but, um, and it's early, it's only February 1st, but are we looking at hopefully what looks like a really consistent roster of mm-hmm. of the core? Like, that's that's what's anticipated, right? Yeah, the core The core is the core. Um, you know, we the, the, the group that we announced, I think it was in September, Am I right by that? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's the core. And, and that's the crew that, that we're rolling with. That's the crew that'll be in camp. You know, some interesting developments with Ben and Andrew having the type of years they're having as first-year MBAers, uh, and quite frankly, were not announced on the core. I, I don't know what we'll do about that. We've, we've talked about some scenarios. We've talked about letting the players decide, you know. Whether to invite, well, bring them in, compete, bring them in, compete for a spot. Um, I mean, you know, we're building a team, in. so at some point, you let the team decide certain things, right? But I, I, I don't, right. I don't know how that's going to shake out. Either way, the the core that we do have, it's going to be a dogfight for those roles. Uh, we're going to take probably sixteen athletes with us after training camp through Europe into a series of exhibition games. I think the, I think, I don't know if everybody saw it, but our games against Spain and Argentina were announced. Um, I think it's in Spain. We're doing a European stop before that, not yet announced, uh, not yet signed, but I just probably after this call, I'll go and sign it and and we'll, we'll figure out, we'll, you know, we'll lock in our plans for the week before Spain. Um, will convene in Toronto likely um, early August get some get some two a days in and you know then the guys really want to get to the games the coaches want to get to the games so we've, we've got a boatload of games that we're going to have lined up before we tip off officially and you know August 25th or 26th depending on what our first game date is I think our plan is to get to Jakarta five or six days early to acclimatize uh, you know our sports science staff, have some pretty cool metrics on, you know, time zones and hours difference and how many days to really have your blood cells moving at the right, at the right speed at the right time. So we'll follow that math and we might try and pick up one more game in Jakarta against a cross pool opponent, um, you know, before. So ideally we'll have five, six games before we tip off officially. And this team, they want to play games. These athletes want to play games. They don't like practice, so we're good with games. Right. Senior women's national team, if you want, I think uh, mm-hmm. we've got to show them love, and they finished fourth at the World Cup. And head coach Victor LaPena clearly made an impact. Uh, tremendous effort by the players. Uh, Victor and his staff um, give us your overall thoughts, and I mean, that was Victor's real first showcase. He seems like a an excellent coach and the players really enjoyed playing for him. Kayla Alexander said that to me on her episode. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, how, how are you liking the, the women's program? Huh? Um, well, let's, let's, this time last year, we were just really putting pen to paper on Victor's contract. And in one year he's made a significant impact in the energy in our, in our gyms and, and not just the senior women's team. He's been interacting a lot with our age group. Uh, this is a real benefit for us to have a first 
ever full-time head coach that's based with us in Canada. So we've seen a lot of athletes um, at a lot of different age groups. And, you know, he's been down, been over to Europe to see some of our athletes um, with their club teams. He's been down um, to the U.S. to see them on their NCAA teams. He's been to different provinces to see these age group stars that are coming up. So it's, um, we're like what we've done in the men's program in creating like a winter core system and then also having a development team that plays that system. We're doing the same with Victor LaPena ball, uh, not just Nick Nurse ball, right? So it's, um, it's having a profound impact. Again, his energy is infectious. Our coaching staff is, is top notch, um, was before even more so now. And, you know, ultimately the athletes are the types of athletes you want to be around. They're um, amazing humans, hardest working people I've ever met. You know, Captain <laughs> Captain Nat, um, due with her first baby in April. Right. Uh, she's going to hit the ground running after and get ready. And she said, I'm, I'm not missing Paris. Like, this is my, it'll be, it'll be her fourth Olympics. So when you think of the types of sacrifices that our female athletes need to make in order to make a buck playing the game, a good buck playing the game. They got to go overseas. Um, you know, the good news is, you know, with the WNBA and the, the rise of talent that we have in the NCAA, uh, I think there'll be even more playing WNBA in, in coming years. That was the interesting thing about the world cup. Like we didn't have, we had two of our NCAA players. Uh, right. Look at Aaliyah Edwards this year. Um, she's going to be all American. Yeah, and you, you look at Shy. You look at like there's a whole bunch there. God, Maddie, there's uh, the last count. I think I saw 245 Canadians in Division One men's and women's basketball. So anyone that keeps talking or says we're in the golden era, we're, like we just walked into the golden era. Like we just started. Yeah, yeah. Um, the talent's coming for days on the women's program too. So. We're paying special attention to the way that we stack our coaching pipeline, the way that we nurture our athletes. Um, I'll tell you something. The women are getting on a flight. The women's staff, women's program staff, are getting on a flight tomorrow to go over to Paris uh, and then drive to Lille. Uh, we're having our February camp in Lille, the home of the Paris 2024 Olympic basketball tournament. Uh, we're going to acclimatize. We're going to get to know the space. We're going to visualize the type of impact that we're going to have while we're there. And this is, again, part of you know the evolution that we're making it as a program. We wouldn't have made that trip before. Uh, now, yeah, I know we haven't officially qualified for Paris in the women's program, but our sites are there, and we're going there to get comfortable with it. So then we do walk into that city in 2024. It just feels like something we've done before. Yeah, I want to shout out uh, one thing that I've really noticed on the women's side too is that for the players themselves, um, yeah, they're playing overseas and they have their clubs or if they're in the in the WNBA, but for them specifically, it really feels like the red and white has always come first and it always will. So when you know they are sharing something that, Canada basketball has put out on social media. Um, they're always quick to really highlight that and push that forward. Cause I just think that's how so much of their time in the game has been recognized. Uh, yeah. and they, they typically tend to do that more than the men. And I just think, uh, they need to get so much, uh, love and support for that. And, uh, 
you you hit it on the head, man. Like the the talent growth, uh, the women are are really going to make a lot of noise, uh, specifically next year in the Olympics. I, I honestly believe that, and uh, it's an exciting time. Um, we got some exciting young players that are going to be knocking on the door to have a big role. So it's uh, it's cool to see. Um, yeah, when you think just you know continuing that thought too, like part of our value prop for the athletes needs to be when they do spend time with us whether it be in a training camp or in a world cup like like this summer um we have to put them in the best positions to succeed and be seen um look at bridget bridget um you know top five player of the world cup signs a great contract with an, an amazing spanish euro league team um you know, you look at a lot of our other players, um, Naira Fields, playing with a top club um, now and then getting a lot of interest in North American pro now. So ultimately, our coaches can and our system should support them to achieve the ambitions that they have when they're not with us uh, as well as when they're with us. And if we can make them better, listen, I'd... We're not standing up saying that Shea's season is because he spent a summer with Canada basketball, but I got to think he's, we want to believe that he's better off because of time that he spent with us. And that's our, that's our promise to the athletes. You will be better because of the time you spent with us. We'll treat you like a pro. We'll train like a pro. And then when you're in your pro environment, you'll be even better because of it. That's got to be our, our delivery value. Well, I mean, for Shea's case, I have no doubt. I mean, he's, yeah. His his summer with the program was was electric. I mean, he was he was the man. I think it, it's the Shea way all day, and um, he's having the season because of that time, no question. And I wanted to ask about the Global Jam takes us kind of into that age group we're talking about, and that we're all excited about. Um, and in July twenty twenty two, we saw the premiere of Global Jam for the U twenty three age group. Uh, tournament which allowed those players to showcase their games and represent Canada um, for you running the program did you're one of the global jam meet your expectations kind of take us through that and you know what did it ultimately accomplish what you were hoping it would yeah there was you know there's probably a triple or quadruple bottom line on that one um, and I think we probably hit three of the four I will admit, like I've been hired for the, the commercial growth of this organization as well. And while we did create a brand new television and live event property, um, we fell short of our commercial you know, goals in year one. But when I actually think about the things that it did create, we, we created a lot of priceless impact as a result of it. So there, there's a bunch of stories that I tell about Global Gem. Like one, one is, you know, a, a parent pulled me aside. I was, I was like the we were just dog tired uh, just even getting into day one because we built this thing while we were, we, we built the plane while we were flying it, um, we pulled right. it together in five or six months and, you know, hosting an international basketball tournament is not easy with 12 months of planning, let alone six. And, uh, one of the parents of one of the, the young men on, on the U two, three team pulled me aside and said, this is the happiest day of my life. I said, well, can you explain that to me? Cause I'd, I, I, there's, I can't imagine why anyone would be happy right now because I was just like mired in all of the stress of it all, right? Right. And he said, I've never seen my son play at home with a Canada jersey on before. So layer one or bottom line one 
um, the connectivity between the athlete, the family, and their country. We were able to achieve that. Um, bottom line, too, was the exponential development um, and introduction of athletes into our system. We created a, like U23 didn't exist for us. We built it for this tournament. We had a tryout 20 days before the tournament. We didn't have a U23 team until then. So on the men's and women's program, you look at, like on the men's side, Thomas Kennedy uh, introduced into our style of play. And in November, when we're in Edmonton to punch our ticket and Kyle Alexander and Kyle Wilcher aren't available because of their club commitments, Wilt being in China and not being released due to their COVID protocols, um, and Kyle being in EuroLeague, not being released because FIBA doesn't record, EuroLeague doesn't recognize the FIBA windows, we needed a big body. Well, again, we talk about the system connectivity. Drop Thomas in. We know he can play that that position in that in that set. Um, and he played meaningful minutes in both games. And, you know, that might not have presented itself uh, if we didn't have a U23 team. Or... You know, frankly, um, even some of the bench strength and hype strength, I'll call it, that we had for the women in the World Cup. I don't know if anyone saw Taya Hansen as like the cheerleader of the women's team during the World Cup. Some of our best images of our team um, are, are pictures of Taya just you know cheering everybody on, and yeah. she was she was introduced to Victor and introduced to our style of play. And she introduced herself and her personality to us as a member of the U23 Global Jam team. So, yeah, she was on our radar and, and, and certainly, like, was in the pipeline. But, you know, her and, and Philly, uh, Philomena, like, they played for U23 and then they played for us in the World Cup. That's amazing. Um, so They're both having great seasons right now for Oregon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, ultimately, look at Leah Edwards, you know, MVP of Global Jam and now, you know, arguably an All-American. All um, you know, her mom's got an opinion about she's she's actually an all Canadian, but uh, I, I yeah, love that. Yeah. I love that spin. Um, so you know, we we've got a the, the multiple bottom line on Global Gym paid off. Um, we got to put more bums in the seats next year. We got to we got to bring more basketball enthusiasts to this event. We've got some really interesting team matchups that we're about to announce. We'll probably announce them uh, mid February. Um, different teams, more global teams, some really interesting university teams to represent the U.S., uh, top quality programs. So it's going to be fun year two. We have some ambitious goals. We're not going to change the format much. We really just, now that we've introduced it to the hardcore hoops fans, we want that to cascade a little bit more because, man, it was a fun environment. For those that were there and those that were able to watch on TV, it was great basketball. Um, actually, this was, this was an interesting. Um, Drew Scott Drew, who was the coach of the Baylor team, or is the coach of the Baylor team, and they represented the U.S. men's side. He was on a call a little while back. I heard and said, "Hey guys, if you're looking at bringing your your freshmen and your walk-ons into this Global Jam tournament, thinking you've got a shot to to compete, think different. You got to play your your stars, and even then, right. you might not win the damn thing because it's great basketball." Yeah, I mean. If you look at uh, who played on both the men's and women's sides this past summer, and you mentioned that a bit with some of them, uh, the women contributing at the the World Cup, but what I like about it is now these are going to be players that have already played time in the Canada jersey who will down the road be your senior men's, senior women's 
players and know how that connection and that uh, sacrifice and commitment to the jersey because uh, they've already done that at the U19, U23 level. So I think that's that's key. And uh, and they're having monster seasons in the NCAA. You talked about Aaliyah Yvonne. She's a friend of ours here. Uh, yeah. She is like she's on a double double watch every night. Yeah, I know. Marcus Marcus Carr is having a great year for Texas, and of course he was at the, yeah. the global. Gym. My little my little guy will hit a shot in bas- He's six years old. He'll shot in basketball cl- um, in basketball tryouts, and he does the Marcus Carr time. On I his, love like, it. I love hilarious. it. I love it. Yeah, I mean, um, I think from year one to two, obviously, you know, I know there will be major growth and, and more success, and I just think it's a great. Uh, idea concept and um, product too I think it's important and it's gonna it's gonna build that connection like you said more and more and more for people within the program and almost like that plug and play and um, so if if that is only one or two bottom lines Mike I think you've you probably nailed it my friend yeah we're we're feeling good about it it it's got it's got to be a long game too we want this to be the type of event that um, I, I talk about it being kind of NBA summer league North, um, before right. they were stars, before they were drafted. Like we would, you know, we're actually, we're, we're playing with a date a little bit too, pushing a little later into July so that we can maybe own a bit more white space in the sport calendar. Um, right. you know, a bit, a bit of quiet time. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think we've got a real shot for it to be a successful property for decades to come. We, uh, yeah. And quite frankly, a great opportunity for our athletes to learn how to win. And that's important. For sure. I wanted to ask you, uh, a little bit just about the recent, uh, we'll go a little bit business side, but the recent, uh, partnership with Flair Airlines mm-hmm. to kind of get everyone around the country that needs to, uh, get point A to point B for Canada basketball, um, uh, and I think we talked about this before uh, in your last episode and obviously in person, but, uh, you know, the wins on the court will bring wins on the business side and, and brands and companies are are looking to join the Canada basketball rocket to the moon. Um, like, how busy are you with that on the business side these days? Just yeah, we're busy. Kinda, yeah, uh, but that's good. I mean, busy. Just, being busy is good too. Like it, it's good to be busy here. Listen, we've we've had a successful year of of attracting brands, and I won't even say attracting because that's the wrong word. Like really collaborating with brands who get it. Um, we get their vision. A lot of the brands that we've partnered with, and there's a few announcements to come too, have big ambitious goals for what they can mean for the country, and so do we. So it's been an interesting marriage. Like we're not, yeah, yeah, we're out there. I was going to say we're not out there selling. Like we are out there selling, but it's more important that we're out there collaborating and co-visioning. And yeah, maybe it's a bit cheesy or cliche to say, but ultimately we want to partner with people that don't need to be convinced. Basketball is great for this country. It is a sport that this country and its mosaic um, believe in, play, watch, um, and represent. And you shouldn't need much convincing to figure out why association with the sport and what I'd like to believe a very values-driven version of the sport 
and an organization that has the values that match the values of Canada um, shouldn't need much convincing. So, you know, we've got more announcements to come. We know that also people are kind of waiting with a bit of bated breath to make sure that the winning is sustainable and, you know, the momentum is sustainable, and that's okay. Um, I get it. Those that are getting in early and on the bottom floor are probably going to have a more fun ride, and uh, and that's okay too uh, because there's it's a trust exercise. A lot of people trust where we're going, and we trust their um, – intentions as well and we're finding some great flair's a perfect example of just good people getting that basketball is great for canada and so is an airline that makes it easier to connect the dots in this country so we should probably work together and we are yeah thrilled about it yeah for sure i actually yeah i flew flair out to victoria actually for the the qualifier right and so uh great company and uh, i was excited to see them recognize the value with Canada basketball. Uh, Mike, I, I know we wanted to, you had mentioned about safe sport. Uh, I think that's an important topic. And, and the idea of safe sport is very important in the sporting landscape to ensure safety and security for everyone. And, um, just take us through what Canada basketball is doing and uh, we'll continue to do to just provide that environment and inclusion for everybody. Yes, it's, Man, has the like the discussion about safe sport in just even six months, eh? Like, right? Uh, dinner table conversation about time, but it's you know it's dinner table conversation, and not just the dinner tables of the people that are leading sport in this country. It's it's everybody's conversation, and it is about time. Um, you know, for us, not much has changed. Uh, we've had and been guided by some fairly strong policy and practice for quite some time uh, predates me and I'm proud and proud to say that uh, we are obviously we're one of the organizations that signed up for um, this new abuse-free sport mechanism which will give everybody in our national team environment a very clear way to report um, you know human behavior that isn't consistent with with what we expect maltreatment we'll call it uh, or as it is called. Um, so it, it's good to have that centralized reporting and investigation mechanism. We have had a third-party independent mechanism in place for quite some time. Um, and we're also proud to say that it's, um, you know, we, we have no abuse cases coming out of our environment um, since they started being tracked, you know, back in the day. So, uh that's not to say that they won't surface now that it's more of a dinner table conversation and there's more confidence in, in bringing your situation forward for without fear of retribution. Um, you know, we want to create an environment that see it, say it, uh, we will not be afraid to address it. Uh, I have been on record saying, well, we can't be on every or on every court or in every gym in this country. Um, if it's made aware to us, we will do something about it. Now, the, the tricky part, Maddie, is the jurisdiction of safe sport control. We control our national team environment. If something happens in a gym in your hometown at a, at a basketball club, uh, we don't control that. Um, we're pushing, as are many NSO leaders, for a connected, call it a sanctioning system or database, so that if something happens in a gym in your town, 
and that coach moves to my town, um, that record follows him. It's a little disconnected right now. So I think work has to be done there. But we are at the leadership table. We we keep being invited, um, myself and my my executive team, get invited to these tables to start shaping what the next steps need to look like. And that's good. We want to be part of those conversations. We want to be leading with thought um, while we also hold ourselves, um, you know, in pretty high standard for the way that we're going to act. And ultimately, uh, we need to make sure that if we want more people playing basketball in this country than ever before, but we want them walking into every gym feeling like this is the safe place to be. Um, so that will take training. That will take policy is one thing. It's got to be how you practice it. Um, we've got a new club verification program so that if you're a club in this country and you achieve certain safe sport policy criteria, you get a verified club stamp from Canada basketball, which we hope over time grows to be that, you know, kind of like that blue check mark on Twitter. Well, what used to be, <laughs> yeah, what yeah. used to be credible. Um, you know, ultimately, we want that red check mark from Canada Basketball to give a parent um, confidence that they're walking into a system that that has their child's best interests at heart. And you know, we'll we'll look to cascade that across the country over time. Uh, excellent stuff and well said, and important stuff for. For everyone, truly. Uh, is there anything else you want to touch on, man? I think, I think for me, we've we've covered a lot. I know the excitement for this year is like it's only February, and we're already looking down the calendar for yeah. August, September for the World Cup for the men's. Uh, seeing how the guys' NBA seasons wrap up. I mean, uh, you know, Indonesia will be an exciting time. I think. Uh, you know, I'm ready for it. I know the you as a program is ready for it. Anything else you want to touch on? You know, you know, let's just looking forward a little bit. It so the women's. I'll just catch people up on some of the nuances of what qualification looks like for Paris. So the women will be in the America Cup this July. That's an America's Region tournament. But there's a new aspect of if you play in the gold medal games, so finish gold or silver. You're now skipping a November qualifying window and going straight to the February Olympic qualifier in 2024, which is great. So that's our goal. Okay. We're we're going okay. to Mexico, um, you know, with eyes on silver or bust. Well, I'll, it, I said that once, and Victor corrected me. He's like, "No, it's gold or bust." I'm like, "Okay, good, good, good. Uh, that's why you're the right. coach." I yeah. like that. Um, so you know, we're we're putting some plans in place to really over prepare for that tournament or I won't not over prepare to prepare in a way that we haven't before. Uh, we're actually looking at some pretty high level exhibition games, potentially to host in Canada, uh, at some point in June, as we prepare for that in July, I, really early days on that, but you know, we'll, we'll hopefully announce that in the spring, uh, our under 19 teams, which are both very highly ranked in the world, uh, their men's or boys and girls, um, heading to the World Cup uh, in June and July, respectively. So that's a great opportunity, I think, for us to show that we really are just at the start of the golden era. Uh, our U19s are, are quite strong. Um, our girls program, I think, right now is second or third in the world at U19. So uh, they will get a chance to shine this summer, too. Uh, our U16s are in their Americas tournament. I think they've got just as good a chance to be in that gold medal game as as any of our senior teams too. So, ultimately, 
every time we play this summer in a tournament, I think we all have expectation, not I think, we all have expectation that it's it's podium bound uh, or podium bound games at the very least. And then, you know, I haven't even mentioned 3x3 yet. Like uh, from the, the great province of Alberta, our 3x3 uh, team has been born. Right. And boy, uh, are they doing a heck of a job across the world. At, at I had a chance to go down. My wife and I went down to Miami. Uh, <laughs> quote, unquote, work assignment, not a bad assignment. But um, right. we went to the America in November and watched the men and women compete. Uh, the women won, beat USA, um, you know, and, and won the gold. And that is, I got to tell you, man, that's the most exciting live version of basketball that I've ever been a part of. And I've been a part of some exciting live basketball. Like the 3x3 game in a live environment is the best version of the game I think I've ever seen. Um, it really is. Like it's it's raw, but it's beautiful at the same time. Um, and it's quick. First to first to twenty one or ten minute game, whichever comes first. And, right. and I sat and watched fifteen games in an afternoon of basketball. It was the happiest I've been in a long time. So, you know, I think what that women's team is preparing to do this year to try and volley themselves into automatic qualification. They're fifth in the world right now. They have to get to third by the end of the season. So by the end of October thirty first, I think it is. Um, and they could automatically qualify for Paris as well. So you figure. Our intention is by February 2024, the men will have qualified out of the World Cup. 3x3 will have qualified out of the season on the women's side. I think the men's side have a tougher, and, and listen, we've, we've got to focus a little bit on our men's program on 3x3, but um, you know that might come after this quad, to be quite honest, right. um, as, we, as we work a little bit on pipeline development. And then our women... Um, will qualify our intention is obviously we would qualify in february 2024 so come valentine's day i would hope um this time next year we've got our flights booked to paris for all of our teams that are eligible um canada can count on basketball being the story in paris and we got a shot to go create where were you in moments in canadian sport and um there's one big where were you in moment in Canadian basketball history, and that's the Raptors in, in 2019, of course, and we want to be right. the next one. Yeah, I mean, I'm there, and uh, <laughs> I know <laughs> I'll, I'll do my best to, uh, you know, share that and promote that and all the good things that the program is doing. Um, I want to just ask you, I'm, I'm trying out something new, Mike. One kind of fun question: Who? Would you like to see on Canada hoops to tell their story? I mean, you got to have a bit of a connection to Canada basketball, obviously. But do you got somebody that you would like to to come on the podcast? Hmm. And somebody you can maybe help us connect with too. That's no a pressure. good one. I've I've had really like I've really had the benefit of meeting some amazing humans and characters that have been a part of the program over the years. Um, right. You know, I made it a, a real point to talk to a lot of alumni um, that have, have been part of this process uh, over the years. Um, they've all got like, there's some amazing stories and, and 
sometimes terrifying stories about some of the travel that they had to put in back in the day. Right. Um, you know, I think of a gentleman like Tony Sims. Um, you know, we, we put him, we inducted him into the Hall of Fame last year. Like I could listen to him tell stories for a decade, uh, and he probably could. Um, we're connecting tomorrow for for a quick bite. Um, it won't be quick because he'll need more time to tell stories. But um, right. you know, ultimately, who who would I like to hear from right now? Like, let's talk about the Ajim family. Like, I I, I know we, we kind of hit on the family piece of it last year. Like, we've got all these amazing family stories: the Prospers, the Ajims, the Barretts. The like, I want to talk to like Grandma and Grandpa um, or Mom and Dad that that are watching their sons and daughters compete. Some of the best conversations I've had this year are with moms and dads who really put it uh, in, in context and perspective for me um, of like what really matters. And I don't know, I'm, I'm a parent too. And I think about it, like I can't imagine a more prideful, um, prideful moment than seeing your child play for their country and I can just imagine some of the stories of, of like the early morning. Like I know there's there's the quintessential hockey parent story, but like we got to start telling more basketball parent stories because they are foundational <laughs> for where we are right now. Yeah, well, you mentioned one parent, and uh, he works for you. I'm talking Rowan Barrett, so yeah, maybe. We'll- oh, I, yeah, for sure. We'll hook you up with Rowan. Rowan's a great storyteller too, and. Um, you know, Lord knows he's had, he's had some interesting, uh, we're, we're prepping to, to head to Venezuela soon. And he's, he's told me some stories from back in the day playing there that I'm going to make sure we're ready for. I tried to get a minute with Roe in uh, Edmonton, but he was pretty busy running around. And, um, so I didn't really want to get in his way too much, but, uh, yeah, Mike, appreciate this man. Uh, super excited for the year. I, I love, um, the connection you've, given us to the program, uh, your friendship, uh, your mentorship. I've learned some things from you. I appreciate that. And uh, anytime you want to come back on, we'd love to have you. And uh, we're looking forward to an amazing 2023, man. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate you very much, uh, your listeners as well. We uh, Again, this is a prove-it year for us, but we're uh, we're going to the wall to make sure that we do. Well, with you in charge, Mike, we know Canada basketball is in great hands. And that wraps up another episode of Canada Hoops. I want to thank our friend Mike Bartlett for coming back and pulling up. Thank you for listening. Thank you to the Basketball Podcast Network. Keep supporting Canada basketball and our Canadian hoopers. And we will see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to Canada Hoops.